It's the Pikey and Lout Show, Talking Taipans. Chris Pike and Alex Loughton come to you with everything that is 100% Taipans. Let's go. It's Talking Taipans. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pikey and Laos Show. Alex Loudon, my co-host, I'm Chris Pike. Can you believe, Laos, that we've made it to full shows? Who would have ever been able to imagine? <laughs> we'll do this every time, hey? Like, oh, we made it to four. We've made it to five. Let's just assume we've got a pretty good quality product here, Pikey, and then let's just uh, automatically know that we're heading to the promised mm. land. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope the Orange Army, let's hope the people of Cairns, let's hope everybody with an interest in Taipans basketball is enjoying what we're producing because we're enjoying bringing it to you. And we've got another packed show as well for you for you this week. We've got three games to look back on from the Taipans over the last week. There was a, mm. a tight loss in Adelaide on Saturday, mm. a, a fantastic win Monday night back Huge home over at Melbourne United. And, and Thursday, another tight loss in New Zealand. But the good news for the Taipans is they're now back home for the next three weeks and one game a week all all in front of the orange army to look forward to get to uh recuperate a bit and uh lick the wounds but um certainly a massive game at uh home uh really really fun to to see that game pikey um and had a lot of good comments actually about the pikey and Lowes show i thought i'd pass that on uh some of the fans are asking about it already and uh commenting that uh, they're really enjoying the insight so i think we're on the right track uh and we'll slowly make improvements uh each episode and and try and uh really keep things uh, moving along nicely. Yeah, that's the plan. And we want to be here for the community of Cairns as well. And we want to partner up with as many as many companies as we can. Cairns Total Physio obviously have been quick to jump on board and we, we can't thank them enough. But we, we want to be partners with the Cairns community and we want to provide you you with a product that you are proud of. But um, we need some support as well. And if we can partner up, let, let's hope that we can, can do some some special things as we, as we move ahead. Yeah, look, absolutely. And so we're putting the call out there um, if there are any businesses that would like to uh, perhaps be a naming rights of the Pikey and Lowes show uh, we'd love your support if you're enjoying what we're bringing to you uh, why not put your name on it as uh, as the, the brand spreads a bit and uh, you guys can partner with us uh, and our goals are aligned bringing you positive uh, Taipans coverage and uh, some in-depth uh, insights into how we see the game uh, and yeah just really help uh, the program move along. Absolutely. Just quickly, I want to reflect back on last week's show before we move on to today's show, Laos. And we had the Taipans team psychologist, Jodie McGuire, on as a special guest. You had a terrific chat with her. And it was, uh, for me, I was really proud to give her the spotlight because she's somebody that's an unheralded hero in a lot of ways of not only the Taipans, but, but all the work that she does. And, and I got some feedback from her during the week, which it was probably un- unexpected. And I d- didn't expect... Didn't expect this sort of feedback, but mm. she was listening listening to our show in the car with her with her daughters, and it just for her, the things that we were saying about her, it, it blew her away completely. And for her daughters to hear that, it for her it almost made everything that she's doing and all the hard work she's put in for for a long time worth it. Just to have that moment with her daughters, and for us to be able to provide that on the Pikey and Lau show, that's something pretty special. I, I guess I never really thought about. You know, why would she be surprised that that it was mm. um, that her work was so positively influencing? You know, my my time at the Taipans and in elite sports. Maybe maybe I've underestimated 
you know, how much feedback we've kind of given her maybe like so, so mm. may, or maybe it was just a light bulb moment that hey look that all the work was paying off here's an example of someone who's gone through uh, a lot of big years and now has a chance to reflect on his career uh wasn't it great to get that sort of feedback so but yeah definitely an awesome moment to hear that pikey um yeah, uh, yeah really uh, really happy to hear that you know uh, with the family in the car um and listening in that that would be a, an awesome moment not sure if you'll get the same feedback from our special guest this week, but you had a you've you've had a terrific <laughs> chat with with a, a very special man around around Cairns and a former uh, Taipans player. Absolutely. What can we look forward to? Yeah, look at a personality around Cairns. I guess we will reveal the name shortly. Uh, but you'd be hard pressed if you live in Cairns or have been to any of the Taipans or Marlins games uh, that you wouldn't uh, have come across this guy. You you would have crossed paths for sure. So uh, looking forward to that one later in the show, Pikey. This episode of the Pikey and Louds Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Now, we've got three games to, to dissect from the Taipans over the last week, so we won't waste too much more time, but I've got some very quick questions I want to throw your way, Louds, before sure. we head into it. First of all, you had you had a big statement last week. It was, it was a beauty. I just want to follow up. Monday night, did the Taipans end up making Mellow and Melbourne United tremble in their boots? Tremble at the knees, they did. So, um, and, and I've got to confess something, Pikey. Um, I was fully prepared and had camera ready to uh, <laughs> capture it all, but I was fully prepared to start the boring chant. Um, mm. Now, this is what I needed. <laughs> I needed a minute left in the game and I needed, and I needed eight <laughs> points, seven or eight points or more, uh, the game done, to then go, boring, <laughs> boring. And, I, and uh, I chickened out and the reason is mm. Kuat Noi went to the free throw line and they're up by six, okay? Yep. If he made the free throw would have been seven and the game was done right uh and then i would have started the boring champ he missed the first and i was like i can't quite you know if he misses the second if there's anyone in the league that can shoot two threes in quick succession it's chris golding and i was like all right i'm not gonna back myself here i'm just gonna hold out and uh so he got to seven points and then it was uh time out i was like sweet here's my next opportunity but then the music (laughs) came on basically i chickened out let's be honest (laughs) Uh, but I would have loved to start the boring chant and get the whole crowd giving yeah, it to we, Mello we, just for a bit of fun, bit of stick. On last week's show, we hadn't heard Mello's comments calling the Taipans fans bored or boring or whatever his comments were. Were you, were you surprised when you did come across them? Uh, I think I think the comment was, it was a throwaway line, but he was basically saying, look, I think the Taipans fans were either a bit bored at uh, mm. how the basketball was or he was sort of saying, look, the Taipans fans rock up to games just for, just for supporting a local club. They don't actually really get into mm. basketball like Melbourne fans were. So, I mean, I imagine there's sports galore in Melbourne. You're going to find your fanatics and there's, you know, 8 million in Melbourne. So, you're going to find those hardcore fanatics in their droves uh, supporting basketball. So, I mean, maybe that was more of what it is. But as you know, in media, you grab uh, any kind of <laughs> angle and morsel and you run with it. And uh, certainly Joe Blake uh, gave him a lot of stick, uh, you know, through throughout the night uh, being a, a ball hog kind of thing that was uh, that was the angle they were going for uh, and even even did a live skit on the court but uh, gee that game was, was a great game except for the first quarter you can't give up 30 points in the first quarter but no. uh, I don't want to 
digress too much. If you want to break down that Adelaide very game quickly, as well. Very quickly. Yep. Yeah, a couple of more quick questions and then we can get into it. Your first game as a retired player, Lowes, you, you were there on Monday night. What mm. was that like? Yeah, look, I missed that first home game. So this was my first uh, time back in the building uh, since uh, dropping a mic down there in down, uh, mid-February. <laughs> uh, look, it was great. It was really good to, to be in the building and enjoying uh, the boys get up and down and obviously get the win uh, and seeing a few familiar faces there. Um, I, I feel like I've gone through a bit of a journey since finishing up and starting my own business and then getting the marketing role at Hemingway's um, and just kind of trying to adjust to the real world and the business world. So, you know, coming back to the games, I thought, oh, am I going to get itchy feet and things like that and really want to be out there on the floor? I was think I was just happy that I was able to relax at the games, have a beer at the game, um, see, some, see some faces, knowing that, you know, I'd, I'd done my time there and really did as much as I could, uh, but it was just fun to to be back in that setting and, and mixing it up. So really enjoyed the game. Fascinated to get your thoughts on a couple of things that happened across the weekend as well, and one of them you will touch on with our guests later later in the show. Unsportsmanlike fouls that have been called at the moment. It led to Andrew Bogut getting ejected with eight minutes to go in Sydney's win over Brisbane on the weekend, and also Jared Kenny on Monday night, probably the most unlikely ejection, but he he copped a couple of he one unsportsmanlike foul and then a, a tech foul as well. What are you making of those calls at the moment? Les? I'm seeing what I'm seeing is, and I'll even touch on the in the Perth game. I think um, uh, I think Terrico White got a foul when the, uh, a long pass in transition was thrown over the top. The player is running back and just eyeballing the player who's about to catch it. So he's got his head turned to where the ball is. Now, if you're running at the player and trying to time it just right, innocently put your hands up and you're trying to time your you know your interception just right by just eyeballing the guy who's about to catch, that's kind of when these players have been picked up. When they get their incidental contact, still got your hands in the air, but they're not planking a play on the ball. They're not looking up at the ball. That's when the refs are calling them kind of on a technicality. They're calling an unsportsmanlike foul. We saw Fab get one as well for the Taipans against Adelaide uh, running back when the pass was coming over the top of his head. We're we're seeing a bit of of technical kind of rule book type thing. Well, you know, we're going to pick up on this 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 year. It seems to be the call from the refs. So that's been called a tech. Um, But the unsportsmanlike on Jared Kenny, first of all, um, was a... A bit of, I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was fine as an unsportsmanlike technical foul because it was a hard foul. Uh, and mm. I think he wasn't really jumping up to try and block and make a play on the ball. It was clearly to take out the player and just put your hand up for the foul. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that was a, a, an unsportsmanlike technical foul. Um, but then he obviously ran his mouth uh, in another quarter, running down the floor. He might have even just said to the, the ref something like, look, my mullet's uh, pretty primo here. <laughs> your, your haircut's enough. And the ref took offense to that said, look, mate, you're off. So, but when nobody else can hear, hear what he's saying, should it be a tech? Should it be a tech? Well, I mean, it's the same with the um, the coaches sort of mouthing off, and the ref says, "Mate, I've given you a warning." Maybe, maybe the ref had said something before. Perhaps a little bit soft to get one just running down the mm. floor, making an absent um, absent minded comment. Um, but he certainly, yeah. I mean, he went off the for the rest of the game. I mean, these guys are leaving the. Because if you get two technicals, no matter who gets the first one, the second technical yeah. foul is automatic ejection. So I can see that being a bit of a problem. If it wasn't, let's say, let's say it was Cam Oliver, um, Jared Kenny got the first tech, and let's say Cam Oliver said something coming down the floor, 
um, in that second quarter and he gets the second technical of the game and he's out for mm-hmm. the rest of the game. Like this is a superstar yeah. that people are paying money to come and see. The Taipans are, this is his the marquee player, you know, new to the league. Imagine if he got sent out for the game and then the game's done. You know, like mm-hmm. someone with a massive influence like Bogut um, getting yep. kicked out. Um, you know, it's it's, I think you've got to have... You got, you got to, for the product, you have to keep the superstars in the game. It happens in the NBA. They, they talk about mm-hmm. it a, a lot. Keeping the superstars on the floor, keeping the, the product uh, really exciting, it's crucial for the, the longevity of, of how the season's going to pan out, you know? Well, What's you've got 10,000 people in Sydney. Most of those people there, it's fair to say, aren't basketball fanatics. They're there for the sideshow. And how many of them are going to, going to be happy to, to see Andrew Bogut, the, the star of the show, to, to miss the last eight minutes of a game? I think a, ref, a, a referee has to be um, really self-assured in this in this day and age to kind of control that sort of situation because these are big egos. I mean, I mean, Bogut's always going to run his mouth and and he tries to use that to his advantage, which he does effectively on many occasions. Mm-hmm. He's able to work the refs over. Um, you know, if it's a petty sort of I'm going to make a stand kind of call from the ref, I think you have to really take into account the implications of sending the number one superstar of the game off the floor because that's not. That's not a product you want. You don't want to, you know, as much as you want the bench guys to get minutes and things like that. You don't. You don't want to, you know, through that kind of thing for a game and, um, you know, have that spoil the chance to see the superstar go to work. Very so. quickly, Laos. A little bit left field as well. You're closely linked to the Keynes Marlins still. The QBLs now becoming NBL one and joining mm, up with mm, that brand. Your mm. quick thoughts on that? Um, I've always thought that. All those leagues in that second tier um, should be closely related because if someone can organize the leagues to, to start and finish at the same time and then have the um, winners of each league come together for a weekend tournament, I think that would be a huge yeah. thing for Australian basketball. basketball. I think there would be a lot of interest in a uh, organized, aligned Competition. So this is obviously one more step, maybe in their big plan. Um, so you get a blueprint of a successful league. I'm not saying the QBL is not successful. I'm not saying the SBL and WA is not successful. Sure. I think there's quality leagues, and I think the South Australian League and Waratah League are a little bit below that. But here's one thing, Pikey. I will give you this: the NBL, right, sits at a certain level. Okay, NBA is way above. I get it. Okay, the NBL sits at a certain level, down a bit. There is a paddock in between the NBL and the QBL or the or the Siebel or NBL yeah. 1 Siebel or the SBL, don't be fooled that if you're going to score 30 in the QBL or the w, or the SBL and WA that you would automatically be scoring 20 or something in the NBL, there is a paddock in between mm-hmm. the two leagues. It takes a lot to jump from the QBL or the level below to the NBL. So let's get that thing straight first. Sure. The NBL one league in the southeast in Siebel or the QBL um, now be being branded NBL one. Uh, there's a huge jump for a player to make it into the big into the big league into the NBL. Don't be fooled by what what it takes to jump from that league up. Let's take Jeremy Kendall, for example. He averaged 35 points a game or somewhere around that playing yeah. for Bendigo Braves in the in the Siebel a few years ago. Since then, he's played at different teams in the QBL and, and um, all that. But he came into he's, – he's sitting there thinking – and this is a few years ago now because I remember because I've had teammates on his team. Um, they said, look, he's sitting there going, how am I averaging 33 a game and not – 
getting a contract for the NBA. Like this is he's like, what is going on here? And I'm not quoting him exactly, but yeah, sure. he's surprised, right? And it takes uh, it took many years to even get a look in. Uh, for the Brisbane Bullet, and even then, he's uh, obviously had suffered an, an injury uh, that's put him out for a year or so. I think it's a. And even then, he was only a ACL. replacement player at the really time. Really unfortunate too. injury of playing that three on three. I think it was. Yeah. Um, but the difference between the leagues is huge. You're not just going to automatically kill it if you're or think that you're right on the cusp of uh, you know putting up big numbers in that one of those lower leagues, Seawall or QBL that you just automatically it's going to translate into the NBA it just doesn't there's there's a huge there's a whole number of factors that come into it um you know size of the player for one an undersized big might kill it in these lower leagues but just be too undersized in the NBA things like that and just the pace of the game I mean you see how big Casper Ware and these guards Scotty Machado all these guards they're they're solid they're grown men like you know you you can get away with not being as strong as these guys in uh, those lower leagues but as soon as you come up to the NBL man they've all of a sudden they've got a few kilos on you they're going to dominate those kind of guys so you know the NBL one joining the QBL I think that's a great thing I think it's exciting to watch up and coming players do big things in those leagues because then you go oh wow that's where he that's the natural progression he was in juniors i remember seeing him there now he's killing it in um you know the the qbl or the siebel um or the sbl over in perth uh, and it's really it's really fun to see because it's because it's their lives at stake these players are playing yeah. their hearts out and not getting paid essentially uh but how awesome would it be to have a, a level platform to to see the progression uh or see the game of the week from the sbl see the game of the week from nbl one yeah. um in in melbourne see the game of the week for nbl one in queensland see the game of the week nbl one in Adelaide and, and you just have this kind of platform it's, it's juicy for me to see um, I think it's a juicy sort of concept that um, there'll be so many what 12 to 16 teams in each of those five leagues uh, imagine that that'd be huge like mm-hmm. like the number of players coming through it would be exciting to watch but don't be fooled There's, there is a paddock in between yeah. uh, the jump from that level up to the NBL yeah, I think the the biggest bonus will be the exposure. I th- I'm not sure there was a huge gap between the NBA, NBL one competition of this past season to the QBL in terms of the standard of play. It was just the exposure. You had every NBL one game just about available to watch on live stream. It had a whole bigger machine behind it, so it could get promoted a lot more. And and I think if the QBL can have that now next season, I think that's the only th- only thing missing. I think the standard of the competition stacks up really well, as as you talked about. Yeah, I mean, holistically, I think you see, you know, having all those games broadcast, it sounds really good on paper, and it is. It is It is great for basketball. I know individually, like a club like the Marlins would be like, well, our numbers were way down. When a game's broadcast, like it, there's a solid figure that they that they know um, mm. will uh, will not show up to the game. Like it could be yeah, 20 or 30%. Like that's that's the difference between securing a, another import the following year. If, if okay, games sure. are broadcast, then then ticket sales suffer um, and you've got to be careful. Well, I, I know that they would be concerned um, about this sort of prospect, but obviously the deal's done at a higher level. And I think, you know, they'd probably um, admit that for the, the good of the league, um, this this platform, this blueprint from the NBL one, which has come from obviously um, all, all the guys behind the digital side for the NBL, um, they've really really done well to to push it and promote it. Um, I think I think it's going to be more accessible to watch and follow, which is a good thing. All right, Lows, it's time to move on because we've got three games to get through that the Taipans have played inside the last last week. It started Friday night, Adelaide Entertainment Centre. The Taipans started really well. 
terrific first quarter. I think they're up by as much as eight points, and they they, they again had a chance down down the stretch. It was a, it was a pretty tight game. It was a, a really really good game of, of basketball. Um, a lot of good good things from the Taipans' point of view. Cam Oliver was was really good again. Twenty one points shot. He's probably not taking enough shots for my liking. I, I only took nine shots, but he hit nine of them. Hit three threes. Twenty one points. Six six rebounds. Four assists. Three blocks. He had a huge night. DJ Newber was was really solid with eighteen points as well. Um, a lot to like from what the Taipans did. Scotty Machado 14, 14 and nine up against Jerome Randall. But in the end, I thought the difference was Adelaide's two most experienced players, Daniel Johnson and Jerome Randall, got the job done for them. Yeah, look, I, it seems like an eternity ago uh, last mm. Friday. Um, the one, the one thing that sticks out that I remember, um, the commentators were sort of saying it was a self-induced kind of um, uh, area where the where the Taipans broke down. Like it was in within their control. It wasn't so much what Adelaide did. It was more that the Taipans shot themselves in the foot. Now it was fifteen turnovers, and I think I'm going to revise my team turnover uh, acceptance level. I've said, look, in a slow walk it up game, you. you allow 11 turnovers a game because you're limiting the number of possessions. In a fast-paced game, you want to push the ball, you're probably going to give them 15 turnovers maximum. I think I think I want to revise that down to 13. I think um, uh, 15 turnovers was too much in this Adelaide game and they, they're a run and gun team and they really capitalized on uh, some of the mistakes. Um, so yeah, I'm revising it down to 13. I think they certainly played well uh, in a four-point game. Gee, they're so close and coming off that Perth game, I thought you know playing in a hostile environment, a brand new stadium in Adelaide as well um, with, with some, some absolute killers in, in Jerome and, and DJ. I thought they really put up a good performance, but I know they'll be they'll be. That's the game that you'll be kicking yourself later on in the season. Like, oh, if we yeah, mm. we just looked after the ball just a little bit more, um, you know, we would have liked the position that we're in. We've got a, we would have had a crucial win early on the road, which are hard is hard to do. I think I agree with the commentators. I think it was a little bit sort of a self induced sort of error um, that that sort of lost them the game. And I think which is a good thing. It's within your control, which means you can do something about it. Um, and then they gee, they turned it around for, for Monday night to uh, put the clamps on late in um – well, except for the first quarter, the game yeah, at home, yeah. they put the clamps down for you know second quarter through to the fourth. Yeah, Monday night was was fantastic. Melbourne United came to town having won their first game of the season two days earlier, um, and this was a game they had to win because they couldn't afford to slip to one and four to start their season. And they started they started like it as well. They they were on fire in that in that first quarter, and and Sean Long for a lot of that game looked unstoppable. Finished with twenty one and seventeen. Mitch McCarran, one of your former teammates, had a mm. had a really good night. Mello Trimble's battle with with Scotty Machado was 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 fantastic. For some reason, Chris Golding doesn't like playing in Cairns too too much he didn't he didn't have a great game shot three or 14 but after that slow start giving up 31 points in the first quarter once the type ends locked into the game sometimes it can take up all of your all of your energy to, to fight back and get back into it but it seemed like once they were able to get back into the game get things on their terms they just felt that felt they had melbourne's measure and that's the way they played the rest of the game it was a really good performance for the last three quarters well, well two things that that stood out in that first quarter um there seemed to be gladder on the rim they were they were really mm. attacking well uh, really got some good angles um 
you know, rose up, took the contact, tried to finesse the, the shot, and it just wasn't going in. And then Melbourne United were grabbing it and running, you know, fast pace in trans and just, just finding open shooters, um, you know, while the tight ends were still trying to get back. So there was, they were attacking, had a, an attacking mindset, but just, just couldn't finish, and that led to trans points. Uh, the other thing, Sean Long, I thought, had, had his way um, against the bigs in that first quarter. He was pulling in all the rebounds uh, and a few other players were helping. nine in the first quarter alone. Oh, it was, it was too much. And then um, I've said this in another interview that I saw um, Cam Oliver in a huddle, one of those player huddles before a free throw. He just – he within himself he, he slapped his hands he clapped his hands and says like no like he just took a stand yep. and said come on Cam you're better than that like he does give up a bit of height against some of the, the taller fives of the league but his strength and his athleticism will make up for it he just had to be consciously switched on to, to box out those bigs earlier um, and use use the body and, and kind of at least take out one of the bigs so that you know someone else at Kuat Noi or Dan can swoop in and get mm. a rebound so that first quarter um um, but just a bit lackadaisical in their box outs and things. So he made a stand. The second quarter, collectively, they got it done, which was great to see. They they held Melbourne to a 10-point quarter instead of a 30-point quarter. So all of a sudden, yeah. you're going into the halftime break. Was it up by four or down by four? I can't even – I thought it was down by only a few. Or they might have even flipped it. No, it was still down by four. Yeah, Down by four, yeah. So – but, they, but the momentum was on their side. They'd locked into what what the task was and then came out in the second half. Um, and, gee, it was exciting. There was there was so many. The battle between the point guards was epic, as you as mm. you touched on. I think Scotty Machado won that battle. I know Mello had more points, uh, but Scotty Machado really controlled the tempo. Uh, and that was the crucial difference. You know, Scotty Machado would pull the middle on ball, come off, and, you know, the Mello's got no choice but to lock a trail over the top and then try and get back in front. Scotty Machado cuts him off and you know basically he's got him on his back and then from there he's able to make the decision to rise up and shoot the, the mid-range or attack the big and drop it off to the guy the big rolling so he just he just was able to you know find the angles cut the defender point guard off and hold him on his back and just put him in submission uh, and then make the right read from there it was really poised and he even um, a couple of times he even just put up his hand and said stop like everyone just stop you go over there you go over there you know basically tuck the ball under your arm and say wait no we're running this play and we're doing it my way and we're doing it in the timing that I want and then the good things were happening so it was just it was a it was a delight to see that from um, a, a point guard and you just go man that would be a dream teammate to have mm-hmm. uh, on your squad and I'm sure you know a, a lot of teams around the league will be licking the lips going man I can't wait to throw some money at him next year yeah. two big numbers that you would have liked only six turnovers for the game and 26 bench points 18 of which came from from big Nate Jawai Nate Jawai with his 100th game for the Taipans I thought he really kept them in touch especially when the uh, they were down by a lot of points in that first quarter and second I uh, really made some grown man moves uh, putting the ball in the bucket uh, and just keeping them within arm's reach of, of clawing the game back um, and then he uh, followed through with a great second half uh, but I really thought he he really you know uh, pulled them through that tough stretch there you know six turnovers that's great but how many points off the bench do you say 26 yeah. Perfect. I mean, like you're looking, I still stand by 25 points off the bench uh, to really help 
a team all season long uh, and into a playoff sort of contention, you've got to have help off the bench. You can't just rely on your starters. Uh, it's too risky. I think uh, if one of them goes down and you're relying on your starters every game, um, you know, down the stretch or the length of a season, you're going to run into trouble. So the, the more we can get 25, uh, roughly 25 points off the bench from the squad, uh, the better. Now, they had a short turnaround. They didn't get too much time to, to enjoy the win. Headed straight over to, to Auckland to prepare to play the Breakers on Thursday. And again, it was a slow start. So can't, can't quite nail the, the four quarters at the moment. I think New Zealand went on a 12-0 run in that in that first quarter. I think Corey Webster and RJ Hampton were, were on fire early on. But the Taipans were able to work their way back into the game. Then they started the second quarter, second half on fire and, and were able to take the lead there for a little bit. And even down the stretch, I think there was just under a minute to go. Majuk Deng knocked down a big three and they were back back within four points again. So they had their chances in, in this game on, on Thursday, but we probably didn't expect to see an 18-year-old in RJ Hampton at this point in his career knock no. down those sort of three-pointers, but he ended mm. up being the difference. No, yeah, exactly right. And, you know, he was averaging, what, seven or eight points a game yep. and playing within a system. I didn't really predict a breakout game, um, you know, with 16 points and, and three of three daggers in the fourth well, from, hadn't from, been shooting be, the long ball from beyond the arc. Very well at all, yeah. Yeah, and four, four threes overall, I believe. Um, yeah, did. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that was the difference for them. Um, I thought, um, you know, and this is... <laughs> This game I was watching, I watched a little bit, then I had to go to my son's basketball uh, training and then I'm watching a little bit on my phone as I was coaching the kids and then uh, came home to watch the rest of it and then my kids are coming up to me with, with slime on their hands <laughs> saying, hey, look at this slime and basically shoving it in my face. I'm trying to watch the game. Guys, get away. Just get away. I'm trying to watch the game. And then, um, you know, so I did catch glimpses of everything that's going on. But what I did see, I thought the fight back was great. I thought they obviously, you know, it's tough to go over the ditch um three hour time difference um get settled in and play the next day like it's it's hard to sort of get all that in check on your first go round. um but yeah i thought thought they thought they played well i thought they had opportunities um you know were able to cause some steals cause some uh disruption so yeah oh, it's a it's a tough one it was a four-point game basically that once they had to pressure at the end there it blew out to eight points but really it's a single it's another single digit right there four point loss uh, sorry eight point loss but a four point game that um, mm. some positives but once again these all start to rack up so let me let me just remind you of my, my figures so 16 yeah. wins will get you in a log jam at the end of the season um, which means you're aiming for a strong home performance of, of 12 out of 14 uh, wins at home would be would be fun because you only have to win four on the road to roughly put you in contention but if, if you lose any more games at home you sort of make it tough uh, for yourself on the road to try and get more than um, those four road wins. So, you know, they've got one win on the road, they've got one win at home, uh, plenty more hoops to go, but mm. you just got to keep that in the back of your mind. I think 17 gets you fourth place. Um, yep. I think 16 wins gets you in a log jam that you don't want to be in. Yeah. Uh, you certainly don't want anything less than 16. Two numbers you wouldn't have liked on that in that Thursday game. The opposite to Monday night, 19 turnovers and two bench points. It's not going to be the winning formula, is it? No, it's not going to be. And I'll stand by my 13 turnovers um, number again. And, yeah, two points off the bench. It's, um, it is it is a tough one because you, you do need contributions, you know, and it's not always points. I, I do admit that. Uh, but at the same time, there's just in, in general terms, you, you have to find a way that, 
uh, everyone has to make an assertive sort of effort to to be thinking right we're going to need to do help out and do some heavy lifting here uh, but I mean sometimes the game swings around sometimes you know players get foul trouble hopefully this is just um, sort of once in a, a blue moon type uh, situation where normally there's there's a lot more contribution coming from um, you know the, the two or three that Mike will uh, rotate through on the bench obviously mm. he's a, sort of playing about seven or eight players more may, maybe he's playing more sort of seven players uh, really but yeah, um, yeah they, it, it does go a long way down the stretch of a season Let's get moving Laos because we've got mm. a special interview to get to on mm. this week's show as well very quickly, just let me know what jumps out at you from the other results from, from last weekend across the league. New Zealand got their first win of the season, beat the Illawarra Hawks 103-72 to with 1.9 million people across the if world watching that game. Um, if you please. <laughs> <laughs> Perth Wildcats hammered South East Melbourne Phoenix, their first ever road trip and first ever loss, 110-79. to Melbourne United got on the board on Saturday, beat New Zealand 104-98. to Sydney Kings still undefeated, beat the Brisbane Bullets 94-70. to the South East Melbourne, Melbourne Phoenix then responded pretty well. They beat the Adelaide 36ers at home on Sunday, 101 to 91. And the Perth Wildcats backed up as well with a with a pretty pretty tough win against the Illawarra Hawks team, who now mm. has lost Aaron Brooks and and might not have Josh Boone for much longer either. Yeah, well, I know. It's, anything uh, stand it's out? Of, it's going to be a little bit of um, sort of tough times in in Illawarra. Um, I th- you know that uh, so Sydney Kings have got Deshaun Taylor who was fired from Adelaide mm. earlier. In the uh, season, so that's an interesting move. Often you don't see a player um, brought back to life within the same league unless the coach sees something that he really particularly needs. And I think in this case, uh, Coach Will Weaver is pretty strategic in how he sees players. So he's obviously looking for, obviously with Lish out, um, he's uh, saying, look, I I don't mind a little bit of scoring, but mainly defense. I'm thinking defense here and my superstars, um, my other superstars will get the job done. So that's an interesting to see how that one pans out. And I think Um, it helps when it's a short-term replacement. It helps that this is a guy who did the whole preseason here. So he's actually familiar with the Mm. league. So I think it helps not have having a guy oh. completely coming in out of, the, out of the blue. Yeah. How long do you think Lish is going to be out for? What, what's your take on Eight weeks at this point from here. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure where that league, the, the team was that he was at currently. Couldn't, yeah, I, couldn't I think they had to place... buy him out of his contract because he had he had signed to play somewhere else, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, well, they got him. They bought him out of there. So, so South East... Melbourne Phoenix obviously strong at home and happy to you know get the juices flowing there. They won that road trip to Melbourne United uh, earlier on, but it was kind of a home game, I guess. Didn't have to go yeah. too far. Their Still first the same big, big road trip um, certainly got a touch up by uh, an angry Wildcats team that uh, certainly weren't happy with their performance mm. against the Taipans a, a week before. So um, they've obviously re- rejuvenated their sure and um, certainly put the, <laughs> the clamps on uh, a hapless Phoenix. But uh, for Phoenix to, to play Adelaide, obviously Mitch Creek's former side, yeah. uh, he would have been juiced for that game and uh, to get the win over Joey Wright. So um, look, I think they're still strong, the Phoenix. I think Sydney have been uh, very professional, um, 5-0. and Probably most teams are starting to play six or seven games now, so Sydney still have a bit to catch up. Um, no, interesting things around the league. With with Illawarra, I wonder if, you know, it doesn't look like they're going to have a great, great year. Really disappointed um, Aaron Brooks being out. Mm. I know it's a really unfortunate injury, but I was really excited to see. Um, I thought he, he was re- a really exciting player to watch. 
and looking yeah. forward to all the matchups versus all the team's point guards, you know, um, see how he would fare and see how others like uh, Melo Trimble would go against Aaron Brooks uh, and all those matchups, those juicy point guard uh, lineups, um, you know, throughout the year. So really, really unfortunate for him and really sad to see him uh, finish up. It sounded like uh, a little bit like curtains, uh, the way he was sort of going on no, social media. I, I think when you're 36 and it's, an, it's a ruptured Achilles, it's, it's oh. a long road back. I mean, it's almost like you if you did your Achilles right now. Do you think you uh, could make it back? Well, you'd feel you're when you come back, you're tentative. It takes a yeah. good sort of maybe year to get back into fully, you know, yourself. Mm-hmm. But then, if you don't have the explosion, then you don't quite have the edge that you had, and then you, you know, you just sort of. It would be so frustrating and almost, you know, almost the right call if it was the case. I, I hope yeah. it's not, but it it did sort of sound like that. So yeah, it would be okay. Does Lamelo Ball does he leave the Hawks before the end of the season because perhaps they haven't gone well throughout the year and it's really nothing for him to leave early and in the same tone of uh, token does RJ Hampton leave as well if the the season for New Zealand's been up and down and his Mm. stock's risen and he's good to go like do both those players just up and leave and leave their respective teams you know grasping for what's left of the season yeah it's a great it's a great question I think the, the Lamello one is probably more immediate because if he's part of a team that's now struggling they're one and six at the moment and they now without Brooks and we're not sure what's happening with Josh Boone it's tough to see them turning it around how far do his stocks fall if he's pl- playing part of a of a losing team and he ends up probably taking more and more poor shots I, I have to wonder that there might be a point that's coming within the next maybe six or eight weeks where his camp suggests that he's probably better off getting out of there I think maybe maybe RJ Hampton in New Zealand in a bit better situation because he's in a team that's going to be playing better and that can keep him a bit level headed and I think I've heard him say that he's he's here for the end of the season no matter what but yeah I, I have my doubts that Lamello's going to, going to be in here for the long haul yeah, I don't think there'd be any hesitation to, you know, very quickly up and leave if need be. You know, like it's just sort of a a business decision. Let's say let's let's, you know, call it what it is. I think it's a it's a it's a lily pad to to jump to the next level. As soon as that next lily pad is available, um, they'll be off off and away. Um, you know, if RJ Hampton is saying those things, then tend to believe that perhaps he he is um, sort of in for the long haul. However, um, he's possibly not the one making the decision. Well, his his yeah, uh, entourage right. is, is like a boardroom is probably the one making mm-hmm. the call uh, and they'll make the call the best the way they see fit and, and he will just sort of go along with whatever decision is made. But, you know, they certainly bring a lot of attention. As a as a club, um, do you sign up a risk like that? Like obviously the Taipeds have not gone mm-hmm. down that path, um, didn't want to, to bring that kind of it, – it is a risk because – if it if if your star player leaves, then you, you're stuffed because how are you going to finish a, a season? What if it was a promising season and the numbers were great, and then all of a sudden, you know, Scotty Machado just goes, "Oh yeah, I'm going to the NBA. Uh, see you guys." I mean, you'd, you'd be happy for the individual, but you'd be like yeah. you're sitting there going, "Oh man, we could have been something this year." You know, well, like exactly have- because because let's be honest, neither of those two guys are here because they want to win an NBL championship. They're here because they thought it would help them end up being drafted as high as possible into the NBA. That's, that's why they're here. But then uh, the flip side is 1.9 million viewers now watching a game between Wollongong Hawks and New Zealand Breakers. 
how good is that for the league? Like that's the flip side that yeah. you know the NBL is prepared to enjoy to to showcase some exciting athletes. So I think the purists will probably go, oh, this is just a this is a circus now. What what is all this? There's there's not good mm. passing. There's not good pivoting. There's not good you know <laughs> next tactical play. <laughs> you know, and I think uh, but I think the league uh, in terms of its the need for viability, uh, it's it's obviously a great move because the numbers are huge and the upside is huge and the eyeballs and the interest and the quality of players and the product has all risen. And I think we'll find next Saturday night in Cairns that we'll have a, a jam-packed convention centre to watch Lamelo Ball as well. I think he's finding that everywhere he goes across the league and I think Cairns will be no different. Absolutely. It'll be exciting to watch and, and I'll certainly be there and put my feet up and have a cold brewski. <laughs> this episode of the Pikey and Louds Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Perfect transition, Lyles. We've got a special guest on this week's show, and he'll be there as well. Can you fill us in? He will be, absolutely. Um, you know, he was interviewed on NBL, um, uh, the, the last home game there at the Taipans. He wears the dark shades, but it is for a reason, Pocky, and it's been a tough year for Matt Smith. Yeah, I wasn't happy um, that he got made fun of. It wasn't a, a Casey Prather situation where he just wanted to look good. Yeah, no, it was certainly a serious thing that he's got, and, and I, I do agree with you. I'm probably not the right idea to make light of it listen to listen to what he's got to say I, I thought it was um, I thought it was really insightful and, and it's uh, obviously been a tough time for him but he certainly had some good support around him uh, to, to help him through and it's always a long journey from here uh, he can exercise again um, Pikey since he had a, a stroke not too mm. many months ago um, at the ripe old age of uh, 39 he's now 40 years old yep. but let's listen in and see what uh, the big fella's got to say all right, I'm joined by NBL veteran Matt Smith. Uh, he's recently turned 40 years old. Uh, we won't hold that against him because it's not it's not bad being 40. Matt Smith, how are you going? Yeah, not too bad. I'll just um, finish the day of work, which is, is what men like you and I do now. Is this the real world? Is this the real world? It, it, it is, and you understand once you're in it why we spend so much time sort of trying to avoid it. An eight-hour day. Is a remarkably long time. It's a long to time. To work. <laughs> I feel like it's a really long day. I, I'm not used to. We're, we're not used to this kind of life. Are we built for this life? At six foot eleven, are you built for this life after basketball? Is real world something you want to avoid at all costs? I kind of feel like if, if I had the option of maybe optioning off sort of six inches to people who are under five foot eight or something like that, and they can they can get the experience of being tall, I could still be six five, six six. That'd be the way to go because being sort of six eleven in the real world is not is not advantageous. Uh, I get a lot of people asking me for help in supermarkets with high shelves, that sort of stuff, and you know, doors are a bit of a problem, and I don't get any of the other benefits that come with professional sport. Right. <laughs> All right. So for those that don't know Matt Smith, you, you'd be pretty hard-pressed not to come across something to do with Matt Smith in your time in Cairns. He's a local personality. He's a courtside announcer for the Cairns Taipans. He played for the Taipans for 2004 to 2009. Matt Smith, do you have any Great memories from your career, um, not only with New Zealand Breakers, but with the Cairns Taipans. Anything from the Cairns Taipans that sticks out for you? Um, look, I think I, I actually sort of, I, as much as I came into my own as an NBL player, it was it was in Cairns. Like I had some real fun times. I think probably one that stands out is the night uh, Martin Catalini and I combined for 55 points against the Brisbane Bullets team and they went on to win the championship that year. I think that was the last loss they got 
the c- combined for 55 points. That's that's amazing. How many did, did uh, Martin Catalini have? I don't know that that's really important to the story, but for those of you who are keeping score at home, it was 51, but my four were important. Had I not scored four points, we'd have only won by seven. Well, so, it, was, you know, it was a percentage. Mate, I can do you one better. The score was actually 122 to 119, so you only won by three points. If you didn't score your four points, we wouldn't. It wouldn't have made the history books. Well, then this is. This might be the only time you ever hear me undersell myself, mate. <laughs> if, if, if I had that story again, I'd talk about how I led us to victory. <laughs> what, what was Catalini like as a as a guy around the club? Oh, he was he was great. Uh, Kat, Kat and I were pretty close during his time here, and it was nice to have him have him around because well, he was better than everyone else, and but he also knew and understood that he was better than everyone else and basically did whatever he wanted whenever he wanted it was uh, like the first training session I'd come to Cairns I was up on a bit of a tryout and we're, we're, we finished off a scrimmage and Alan Black's trying to get us to go again and Cass basically gone no I think we've had enough and we put our hands <laughs> in and did one two three five pants and went home <laughs> and, I was like oh my god and Coach Black was happy with that he just went along with it yeah, he went along with it. I thought, well, I'm going to attach my cart to this guy right here because this will, this will keep me from unemployment being close to a man who wields this much power. So he sets the tone. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Mate, let's, let's go to the game on Monday night, the Taipans. Gee, what an awesome performance. Um, perhaps not the first quarter to give up 30 points, but certainly uh, to close out the game uh, and win in that sort of fashion. What were your thoughts on the game from your seat uh, right right next to the court there? Well, I was, um, I was watching that first quarter and uh, my partner Renee had brought a friend along to the game. It was their first ever basketball experience. And I texted her midway through the first. I thought, oh, God, this is terrible. Well, I'm, so, I'm sorry that Macy's come along to this. Yeah. And Renee's, Renee's nice. She's like, oh, it's okay. Maybe it'll turn around. And I didn't hold out a lot of hope. And they, they, they turned it on. I think if you're, if you're the type of... The, the ever-optimist, Matty. The, the ever-optimist you are, the of course. Optimist. Well, look, it's been a rough year. <laughs> um, if you're Mike Kelly, that's really encouraging because it's showing the, the team's got that character to come back and really fight hard and to get that win, particularly when you've got Melo Trimble playing against you after some of the, the less than flattering things he may have said about the team and the town for the guys to step up in such a way and everyone did everyone who hit the court played really well um, to get them over the line there against Melbourne United team who everyone had picked as an early title favourite this year I guess probably along with Perth and Sydney it's a it's a really good win I think it'll do wonders for their confidence if you're looking at the wins that they've had this year the Taipans being Perth in Perth and Melbourne United and they pushed Sydney pretty hard as well that's, uh, that's really encouraging for such a young team have you been impressed um, with the league, uh, the league bigs in uh, in particular? We've spoken a lot about Cam Oliver and uh, his uh, his superstardom in coming into the Cairns Taipans, um, but but really he's quite quite well matched around the league with uh, all teams loading up with some really quality bigs out there. Would you be uh, would you be worried playing in the league in this day and age with the the NBA caliber players coming down under? No, not really, because I got lit up by. Talented, less, much less talented players than that. Tim Berendorf handed me 36 in a QBL game once, so I, I have no fear. If, if Sean Long goes for 40 on me, then you know he's just five points better than Berendorf. That's, that's nothing special. 
Um, let's talk about the mullet. This is uh, possibly one of the more important elements of this game to take home. Now, um, Jared Kenny uh, received an unsportsmanlike tech foul within the, within the opening quarter, um, only to receive a second technical foul for perhaps running his mouth, running down the floor. Um, there was an exchange with the referee. and Now, I, I don't know exactly what was said, but it could have been something along the lines of, look, my hair's better than yours, so, uh, you know, give me a few calls. And then the ref didn't like that. What was your take on two tech fouls for uh, the mullet and sending the mullet down to the locker room for maintenance? I'm, I was sad to see the mullet go because I like it when he runs fast and it billows behind it him does. in such a, a poetic fashion. It and does billow. I find that I find that mesmerising. Right. I have no idea what happened. I was trying to keep up with what the foul was and what was going on and next thing I know I see Vaughn Mabry pointing the general direction of the locker room yeah. and I'm thinking he can't have he can't have tossed him out it was, he, he did, he did, and never to return. Uh, obviously, the the second tech, meaning, uh, no, you know, whoever got the first one, it didn't really matter. Whoever got the second one, they're out. I mean, it could have been anyone, but I mean, the mullet, I mean, that's the price. Some people paid big dollars as the price of admission just to come and see uh, a thing of beauty. What was, uh, you know, the disappointment must have been huge. And for the 3,000, I think 900 people there, you, you could feel the crowd visibly deflate and... I think that was uh, that was probably the end of it for Melbourne too. They they saw that what with the mullet, the mullet left, and I think they were probably trying to impress the mullets. And once the impetus to play well before the mullet was there, you know this story had a better ending when I had actually thought it through a bit more. Well, it more quality and sense. No, I mean it's a it's a it's one of the big talking points of this year. I mean you you sort of touched on it. It was it's uh, billowing at the back. It's feathered and lethal. Uh, it's uh it's quite prominent in this in the league this year. Uh, so Jared Kenny, I mean hats off, hats on with the mullet out the back to you. Hats off uh, for for wielding it all season long. And I, I can only imagine it's going to get longer. I'd like to get a ruler uh, and get a length on the tail end of that mullet. If uh, I'm not sure if you ever have access to the players during a shoot-around or during the game, Matty, but I think we might have to get a measurement on that. Look, I'd, I'd love to. Um, I, I'm not the sneakiest of people to sort of creep up on, on Jared Kenny and, and pull the, uh, the old tape measure out and give it a, a lengthening a length measurement, but uh, I have been hanging it on. We are talking about his hair. Oh, yes, yes, sorry. At, yep. the, at, the, at the post-game functions and, and things like that, so I'm not sure how happy he is with me at the moment, just right. because it's basically the only thing I've been talking to him about okay. and at any of the, the, the functions that I'm hosting for the Taipans has been his hair, and I think he's, I think he's getting a bit over it, but um, I have pointed out to him on several occasions, look, mate, you're 35. Mm. And mm. we don't we don't need to we don't need to be cool anymore, right? And look, I, I'm 40, so I definitely don't need to be cool. So you know, he's, he's of your vintage. So you, are you feeling the sudden and urgent need to bring back the Tennessee top hat? Well, I think he's. Uh, I think he's. I think he's done well. I think it's been a, a work in progress for him, um, Matt. If I could just change tone a bit, you said you're, you're 40 this year. You just turned 40 last week. Um, it's been a tough year for you. Do Do you mind sort of um, sharing a little bit about you've you've had it at a stroke early on in this year and you're recovered uh, or in that recovery process? What's been some of the big milestones in your recovery uh, to to lead you to where you are now? I guess the, the first and, and biggest milestone in any anything that you, you time you get hit with something like that is, is just survival. Yeah. Um, 
So obviously, I'm I'm happy to be alive. Initially, when when I had the stroke, I couldn't speak for a little while. Um, I couldn't feel or use my left hand at all. I couldn't read. So there was a period of time where I thought that my life was probably going to change fairly drastically. And over the the course of the first probably week week and a half, a lot of those small things came back. Uh, and then it's just a building of cognitive function and getting my strength back and all that kind of stuff as I move through through the process. But I guess the big one for me has been in the last couple of weeks I've been cleared to exercise again, mm, mm. and that's been that's been great because I'm starting to get a bit soft around the edges, right. as as you do from from not doing anything for six months. Yes. Like yes, you know when you've been active your entire life to have that taken off you is a, is a pretty large adjustment. And it affects your mood as well as anything else, as well as you know near death experiences and bits of your brain not working quite as they should. So I've embraced the ability to sort of get out and run and and jump and lift weights and well not jump. I tried jumping the other day for those following me on Facebook. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Works. Well, I thought it was there was something there. There was um, some uh, some elements of uh, explosion. I ooh, explosion, small whimper. It was. I, mean, I can I can stand on the ground and hold a ball. You were excited. I was very excited. Yeah. I was pumped. Right. My, my daughter spoke. She so much shit afterwards. Like she thought I was a complete disaster. Oh. But yeah, shout out to Scarl for her video techniques. Well, mate, let's talk about the support. Obviously, um, you know, your, your kids um, been looking after you a bit, but a massive support in your partner, Renee. Um, how big has that been to help you through this phase? Uh, she's, she's been amazing. We'd only been dating sort of four or five months uh, when, it, when it happened, and she stepped up just in the kind of the biggest way possible. She's been there right from the beginning uh she was in emergency with me when sort of it was maybe a bit touch and go and we had the every machine sort of in history plugged into me trying to figure out whether the stroke was still happening and what was going wrong and all that kind of gear um but she's been she's been incredibly supportive and, and very patient so look i can't speak highly enough of her and then you know, it's, it's obviously it's hard on the people who love you and the, and the people that you love as well when they they have to deal with um, something like this. It's not just one person that's affected, and she's she's taken it all on her stride. And you know, she took me away for a few weeks mm. to, to sort of chill out and relax in, in Alaska and Canada, so I didn't have to worry about the world for a bit. And I think that was probably really key to my recovery as well. And just knowing that you've got somebody who is there to help you out and and look after you when perhaps days aren't going so well and you're not able to function at the level you'd like to has been been really it's just been amazing so there's been a, f- a few sort of milestones that um you know you've mentioned you you're allowed to exercise now uh in small stages so it's going to be a, a lengthy sort of journey hey yeah i'm told probably i'm another sort of six to ten months away from been completely right. They've, I've got something that they call post-stroke fatigue, which they don't know a whole lot about, but basically it's that just bone-weary tiredness that can be triggered by anything. So, you know, basically I know in the morning if I get up and if I'm exhausted by the time I get to putting on my socks, I'm about to have a bad day. Okay. And it's, there's just nothing, it doesn't matter if I rest then or whatever, it's, it just usually takes sort of 24 hours to reset itself. Right. Um, it's a bit... It's a bit interesting because there are there are no real outward symptoms at the moment. So my my face doesn't droop unless I get really tired. 
if I do get really tired, I start become a bit symptomatic. Yeah. But you can to just look at me, you would be able to tell that there's there's anything wrong. But uh, aside from the sunglasses inside thing, which few people are enjoying. Right. And <laughs> so, so wearing the sunglasses courtside um, it has an actual benefit. It's not just trying to be cool. The lying in might say it wasn't, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. No, it's definitely it's definitely a medical thing. The a basketball stadium is quite a bright place, right. particularly with the way all the strobes are working and, yeah. you know, all the different light shows going on. It is it is a bit overwhelming for me. I've also started wearing earplugs. Yep. To, to lessen the impact of the sound. It's really just a stimulus thing. Yeah. So, you know, anything that makes the brain work harder than it needs to, mm. I try to avoid. But I also, to the same sort of token, I guess, it's, it's the same as any other muscle. If you don't put yourself, make yourself uncomfortable, you're never going to get any better. Yeah. So I, I consider the, the tight bands and the basketball, that experience to be part of my rehab and recovery. And also it's just nice to sort of get out and get around people again after I spent six months basically as a hermit. Well, like I said, you're a, personal, a personality around the club. It's, it's great that you're still involved and, and uh, like you said, you, you just be able to mix in and get back to try and do some assemble, a semblance of normalness. You um, must be uh, just, a, just a crazy kind of a, a period in your life, but uh, I certainly enjoy seeing you around the games and I uh, hope to see you sort of, um, at all the remaining games of the season, of course. Definitely be there, and I'm, I'm glad that you've, you've started to show up. It's, it's great when the um, when those older guys are coming back. It really creates that family environment, and and it's great for the team culture, not just for those of us who have been, but for those of us who are going to come as well. Absolutely, Matt Matt Smith. Thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks very much to Matt Smith there for catching up with you, Laos. It was a, a, a terrific chat. He's a guy who he's a very lighthearted fellow. It's hard to get him to take things too seriously, but you're able to get get a good mixture of, mixture from him there. Um, he's obviously somebody you've known for a long time, and you're always you clearly always enjoy catching up with him. Was it nice to get a chance to sit down with him and and just share a little bit of bit of his journey? Yeah, I think he's a, a really likable personality. Um, and it's funny we never actually played on the same team, but I feel like if we did, we would have been boys. I think we would have uh, got on really well. I think we share a bit of the same humour and uh, dry sense of humour, I should say. So um, no, it was great to great to catch up with Maddie and just find out uh, just a little bit, delve a little bit deeper into um, you know what's what's been going on and, and the support that's been around him sounds like it's been uh, really instrumental so certainly love to see him around the games more as he's microphone on the court side but um, certainly uh, yeah certainly enjoy enjoying his company. Absolutely, and I hope you're you're all enjoying our, our interviews that we're bringing you here on the Pikey and Laos show because I guess anyone can bring you a quick chat with a current player who who goes goes by and says all the all the all the right things and and, and keeps things pretty you know got to be guarded a bit, don't pretty they? guarded, yeah. But you know some of these guests that we've had now, um, you know Matt Smith and Jody McGuire, and even going back to when we did hear from 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 Nate Jawai and even Mike Kelly. Thanks a lot for everyone that's joined us so far. And if you've got any ideas on who you might like to hear from on the Pikey and Laos show, drop us a line on our social media channels and we'll we'll do our do our best for you. Now Laos, let's keep moving here. Bit of a break now for the Taipans. It's been a been a been a tough road. They've had six games in the last twenty days. Five of those have been on the road and now all of a sudden they've got a nine day break before playing at home to the Hawks next Saturday. What can you do in a break like this after having such a such a such a sort of tough run where you just haven't had much time to yourself? Well it's certainly a good chance to um, have a, a day or two off and just uh, rejuvenate a bit. Um, 
um, three three home games in a row, three Saturdays in a row. That's yep, delightful. That's right. You're sleeping in your own bed. You're in a bit of a routine. Get all the the kinks out. Um, you know, you get your massages, you get get your body right, and then you get refreshed. And I think um, Mike will be doing a great job of keeping the guys uh, focused on you know on that kind of uh, refreshing kind of mindset and and come back to training uh, ready to go uh, because obviously two and five is is a uh, you know you want to get that back to close to 500 as soon as possible and what a great opportunity um, you know to do it against Wollongong on, on Saturday night with these three home games there's there's the Hawks first up then I think it's I think it's the, the Brisbane Bullets and then it's the Perth Wildcats would you be expecting three wins and for the Titans to get back to five and five would that be your expectation what's happening over the next three weeks well I think you, you obviously got to compartmentalize the, this uh, three game you know stretch I think it's just one game at a time and and uh, listen to me talking about the cliches I'm oh, just going to take it one game at a time um, got to get that first win against Wollongong Hawks that's going to set the tone for the, the next two games after that but it just gets the juices flowing don't be fooled that it'll be a, a walk in the park but also uh, be very 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 optimistic that um, you know they're, they're a team that's had a few injuries. They're a team that's sort of on the back foot a bit. They're a brand new side, brand new coat. You know, not to be underestimated because they, if, you know, you do that at your own peril in this league. But certainly, um, they have some individual fantastic players, uh, really exciting players to watch. But I really uh, think that the, the team, the team of the Taipans and the way it's controlled by Scotty Machado is uh, far more mature than this uh, Wollongong lineup. Uh, so I would go double-digit point win uh, for mm-hmm. the type ends 10 points before before the league gets to gets to that there's there's a, the rest of round five is is pretty big for for a number of teams we'll just get your very quick thoughts on on who you'll think will win friday night brisbane bullets hosting the perth wildcats big game for brisbane because they're they're really struggling at, at the moment if the brisbane bullets don't get over the line for this game expect some changes but i, I do think that the wildcats uh, will win in a, a very close uh, sort of finish so i'm going the wildcats by three points Another Melbourne throwdown already. Southeast Melbourne, they don't they don't have to travel too much in the first, I think, eight or nine rounds of the season. They host Melbourne United. And this is a this is a big one, especially for United. They can't afford to go to one and five. They can't afford to go to one and five, but I think Southeast Melbourne Phoenix will get the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've proven very strong in Melbourne and certainly got a touch up in Perth on the road. So they're yet to be battle hardened on the road, but the home performances have certainly been uh, huge. So I'm going for Phoenix. Uh, by probably going to be a win by eight points. Mm -hmm. Adelaide 36ers um, host the Sydney Kings. I would suggest the biggest crowd we've seen so far at the Adelaide Entertainment Centre for Jerome Randall taking on his old team and Andrew Bogut. Let's hope Deshaun Taylor's there because that adds a little bit of extra drama to the to the whole thing. Makes it a what bit of a spicy meatball. Um, <laughs> Sydney in Adelaide. <sighs> Look, Adelaide did impress me a bit. I thought they stumbled early that that first game against Sydney. That's coming off a you know flight from US. Um, they have they they've been a lot more uh, in sync with everything lately. So. I'm actually going to go an Adelaide win mm-hmm. in Adelaide over the Sydney Kings to give the Kings their first loss, uh, and they will win by four points. New Zealand hosting the Wildcats down in, in Invercargill, so a big road trip for the Wildcats this weekend. Mm. I'm going to go New Zealand uh, based on the fact that Wildcats, they, they obviously they travel well, but it's a long way, um, and I think we could see a few more positive games from RJ Hampton uh, as he gets on this little uh, purple patch. So New Zealand breakers by eight points in Invercargill. Illawarra Hawks and Brisbane Bullets in Canberra on Sunday. Um, two, mm. of, two of the struggling teams at the moment. I think Wollongong Hawks 
Hawks are actually going to win this one in overtime mm. in Canberra. Uh, so I'm going to go a five-point win to Illawarra in overtime against the, Brisbane Bullets. Then last up, Melbourne Cup Eve in, in Melbourne. Melbourne United hosting the Sydney Kings. Rematch of the semifinals from last year. Casper Wegg going back to Melbourne for the first time as part of the Kings. This should be a cracker. I think Sydney Kings are actually going to get this one by a comfortable margin. I'm going to say Sydney Kings by 10 points. It sounds like you're riding off Melbourne United. If they lose both these like you're expecting, one and six, I'm not sure it's, they can come back from that. Uh, no, uh, and I I think it's a, a bit of uh, maturity at a lot of their positions. I think they've got some uh, exciting, energetic, very capable scoring um you know, imports and contributors, but I just don't think they have the the maturity to close out these games. And I think teams that are controlled and teams that are steady um, seem to seem to get the job done. So, and it's not a slight on on Mello. It's not a slight on Sean Long individually. I just think collectively, there's just not enough discrepancy between the like or you know the age difference. You sort of have a mix. Mm. You know, you can't just have all young guys and all you know or all old guys. You've got to have uh, a good sort of mix and and enough veterans around to bring in the young guys if if that is the case. But um, yeah, so it's going to be a you know that they're going to be fighting to obviously get their season on track but it, it, it could be a bit of um, an interesting time to for Melbourne United This episode of the Pikey and Louth Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio Less pain, more life But we're all about the type ends here on the Pikey and Louth Show and it's been a big show three games in the last week for us to, to look back on now we've got a bit of a break and we can look forward to next Saturday night at home to the to the Hawks and Lamello Ball coming to town I'm sure everybody will be excited for that but first of all, Laos, let's get your final thoughts. Made a great showdown against the Wollongong Hawks coming on Saturday. Like you said, it is something to watch. This is a future NBA superstar, um, and it's certainly exciting to to be in a venue to, to witness uh, what what the kind of caliber player it is. So uh, expect the Taipans win and a good team win, but be excited for the, the players on the floor. Mm-hmm.